The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Man, life can be difficult. I mean, a lot of times it feels like the world is just ripping apart at the seams and you can't take it anymore. Hi there, it's Doc Thompson. No matter what the world throws at us each day, anxiety, fear, confusion, we can still choose to overcome. Overcomer is the latest book from best-selling author David Jeremiah. Dr. Jeremiah reminds us we're not alone in this fight. God knows what we need. Overcomer is a personal yet practical book that offers a message of hope and strength for today. Overcomer, available everywhere right now. I, I don't know if I've ever told you how much I, I like your name, Hans. No, hold on. We love his we name. We do. Every time I see an email in the hospital, I don't care what he's talking you're, you about. You can do anything, you go, Hans. You're going to come here you want, because... You could sell uh, snake yes. oil. We're good to go. I just want to say Hans von Spikowski. <laughs> of course, you can't say it right, but okay. <laughs> Happy to well, have it's you a typical, it's, it's a typical name for somebody from Alabama. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we have to talk about uh, what's going on. It's uh, more than 50 years after the passage of the Civil Rights Act and... Um, of course, recent studies, complaints filed with the U.S. Department of Education, lawsuits against uh, places like the uh, Harvard and the University of North Carolina show that there's a lot of these academic institutions that really engage in blatant racial discrimination, right? Yeah, and in fact, there's a trial about to start in a lawsuit filed by um, Asian American students against Harvard. And the evidence that they have found in the case so far is really I mean, it's really, it's really shocking. It, what the evidence shows is that Harvard decided that Asian American students were just too good. You know, they're yep. so academically qualified. Uh, they they do such a great job in in high school that if they allowed Asian Americans in based on their qualifications, they would have too many at Harvard. And so they've basically put in these quotas. And the, even though for the past three decades, the number of Asian Americans has been uh, uh, going up, the number of, of Asian Americans in 1821 has been going up, it has stayed almost exactly the same level at Harvard, only about 19, 20% wow. of the student body. And the way they do it is uh, they, in addition to your academic qualifications, you know, extracurricular stuff, all that, they give you a personal rating. And the personal rating is, you know, how are you a social person, you know, et cetera. Asian Americans consistently uniformly get low ratings in the personal factors, and it's very clear that they're using that to keep them out of Harvard University. And this flies in the face of how all of affirmative action and quotas and how they weight this stuff on universities or to get into universities was sold to us for years. It was always like, listen... You know, because of this majority of whites that have this white privilege, we need to make sure to make pathways for other people. And they made this argument over and over again. But this shows they're not really interested in, you know, the minorities and making sure they have opportunities. This is about social engineering. You know, that's exactly right. And, you know, what's so shameful about this is that uh, what's happening to Asian-American students is unfortunately exactly what started happening to Jewish Students in the 1920s. In the 1920s, the president of Harvard said, "Oh, you know, we we don't want to allow too many Jewish students in here. They're they're so academically qualified that if we uh, don't change our uh, the way we do admissions, why they're going to take over the campus." And so (laughs) they Harvard put in, guess what, a personality factor. (laughs) 
exactly the same thing they're using today. And I mean, Harvard a couple of years ago finally admitted that they had been they they did this for several decades in order to keep well qualified Jewish students out of Harvard. What is their argument now? Do they do they admit to this? Uh, in the lawsuit, they. They refuse to admit to it, but it's pretty clear when you look at their internal communications that they see nothing wrong with what, what they're doing. And in fact, it's not just Harvard. The, the, the lawsuit discovered that they regularly have meetings with other schools, people like Stanford, Princeton, Yale, where, guess what? They sit around in a room and they read out what their percentage of uh, newly admitted students is based on their race, and it's very clear because they all want to be, be sure that they're uh, admitting the same percentages. They don't want anybody to be way out of whack. Uh, look, you can tell what's going on by this, too. There's one elite university in the country that does not consider race in its admissions. Uh, they also don't consider legacies, and that's Caltech, you know, one of the top engineering schools in the country. How are Asians represented there? Forty-three huh. percent of the student body. Huh. Compare that to the twenty percent at Harvard. Yeah, see, there's there's definitely something going on there. And by the way, it's not just colleges. If I remember right, we just had this issue come up in the last year or so with um, the the schools in New York City, part of the public school system, yes. where the the specialty schools. I can't remember what they're called. Right. 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 No, the top the top uh, high schools there. These are the ones um, like Stuyvesant that you have to take a test. To get into, schools, yeah. and May- Mayor De Blasio said publicly that there were too many Asian Americans at those schools, and that they ought to get rid of the admission tests so that they can, in, in essence, do racial balancing at the high school. Wow, this is so troubling. It's it's troubling by structure that that someone would even consider this. But then the insult to injury is, I'm always told I'm a racist because I don't support affirmative action in these quota programs. No, it, 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 you're not. The people who support them are racist. You know, look, what the worst thing about this, too, is is that the people who supposedly benefit from this, for example, black students, Hispanic students, who, who their race is, is a positive action, they actually don't benefit from this. They suffer from this. And the reason for this is there's a number of studies out there that have come up with a, what they call the mismatch theory. And what, what they're talking about is, look, I don't care what color you are. If you're suddenly put in a class with people who have a lot more uh, credentials than you, a lot more education, you're going to struggle. And the mismatch theory says that when, for example, Hispanic students are allowed into one of these elite schools where their qualifications, their testing, all puts them way behind all the other students in the class, well, what's going to happen to them? They're going to be frustrated. They're not going to be able to compete. They may drop out. Uh, All of that is actually going to hurt folks, whereas if they got into the schools they were actually qualified for, regardless of the race, they're going to do fine. Yeah, I mean, we've seen that over and over again, but for some reason. I mean, I got to believe that in their heart of hearts, they know all of this, Hans. They just still want a social engineer. I mean, that's what I think they're up to. Oh, look, I agree with you. And, you know, the big argument they always put up is, well, we want diversity. We, we want diversity of, of thought. That is the most racist attitude you can imagine, because you know what they're saying? They're saying that the way you think 
the way the opinions you're going to have on issue, that depends on your race. Can, can you imagine anything more racist than that attitude? Right. Well, and I want to talk about one other disparity on college campuses. For 20, 25 years, women have disproportionately graduated uh, from college. Uh, Men or males uh, decreasingly graduate, and that's been going on forever. And yet we're constantly told that women are also being kept down, so to speak. Well, yeah, the the data actually doesn't show that. You you know, every year um, liberals put out this study showing that supposedly women are paid less than men. Mm -hmm. Um, Actually, when you take into account training, education, things like that, that uh, disparity disappears. It's incredible. And and it is such a um, regurgitated narrative, even the one I mean, we're in the middle of this Brett Kavanaugh hearing debate that has been just, you know, everyone's obsessed about for weeks and weeks. Uh, and I keep hearing the narrative of of how um, few people falsely accuse people of sexual assault. And when you go and you look at the history of where that stat comes from, it comes from a book written, I think, in 1972 that really had no basis for it. And everybody just quotes that or other studies that quote that. And these things just become part of the, the lexicon. Oh, oh, yeah. Listen, in fact... Um there have been hundreds, literally hundreds of lawsuits recently filed, many successful, by students uh, at college campuses who were falsely accused of sexual assault and rape um, and basically went through uh, what you can't even really call real trials where their due process rights were denied, the ability to have lawyers representing them, et cetera. And the students, they're winning those cases because of false allegations being made against them. So where, uh, where do we stand with this case, uh, the Harvard case? Where is, it, where is it at and what's likely going to happen? Well, uh, Harvard filed a motion for summary judgment. In other words, they filed a motion saying, you ought to just dismiss this case, no trial, because uh, the, the plaintiffs don't have any facts to support their case. That was just denied by a federal judge in Boston and uh, so the case is going to go to trial, and the trial is supposed to start uh, in, in, towards the end of this month, October. So uh, Harvard's about to be in court, and uh, all the evidence that the plaintiffs have pulled up about the discrimination that Harvard's practicing is going to come out. And then, um, obviously, uh, it will be appealed regardless, right? And then it's a matter of if it goes to the Supreme Court? I can just about guarantee you (laughs) this case (laughs) is going to end up in the U.S. Supreme Court, and I suspect that'll be two or three years from now. Okay, that's what I I figured. Usually it takes that or whatever. But, yeah, you know, either side's going to appeal it, right? (laughs) It's going to happen. All right, Hans, thanks so much for joining us. Always appreciate it. We'll go ahead and tweet out links to your stuff from Heritage as well, okay? Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. That was? Hans von Spukowski. 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 One more? Spikoski. Nailed it. Direct Fire is a jet-fueled political thriller that's now available in paperback. It's taken from the 30 years of military service of Brigadier General Anthony Tata. His books have gotten high praise from George H.W. Bush and Glenn Beck. In Direct Fire, a Delta Force veteran races against the clock to take out terrorists gathered in the North Carolina mountains. The terrorists have already taken down military brass and civilian leaders, and that's only the beginning. Direct Fire is on sale now. Just visit AJTATA.com. That's AJTATA.com. Knowledge is power. Tweet at us with the hashtag what I learned today. This is the Morning Blaze with Doc Thompson on the Blaze Radio Network.